This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio, and it is World UFO Day, which is very exciting. So if you see an unidentified flying object in the air, no, it's a celebration day for that. Um, Also, it's Adopt-A-Cat Month, and uh, so if you've ever thought about adopting a cat, it's probably a good time to do it. Um, There's lots of there's plenty of cats out there that would love a good home, especially with so many more people working from home permanently now. Um, I'm sure your little um, your little friends would always love to see you, although they do tend to lay across the keyboards and distract you from work from time to time. But that's okay because they're always going to be hanging out with you. Um, but another thing that's great to hang out with is a really good book and uh, plenty of really good books. And so. I have an author here today that's got 35 books for you to just go ahead and get started reading. And she is, we are talking all the way, she's talking to me all the way from Australia. That's all the way for me. I'm sure all the way for her because it's a very long way for e- either direction. Um, Monique McDonald is, has over 35 stories in print and the best, she's a best-selling author and has a lot of really great stories to tell. Her writing journey began when she was in the sixth grade and wrote about a kookaburra. That article was published in the local paper with her name in the byline and $10 in her hand. Monique knew she'd found something amazing. After working in PR and a series of events led Monique to writing full-time. And then, since then, she's penned the Upper Cross series, the Jeweled Sisters series, Courtyard Romance series, and standalone novels, as well as more series. And her latest book from the Marlin Shore series, Saltwater Wishes, was just released. You can find Monique on her website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. All the links of that are in the write-up of the show. Welcome today, Monique. How are you, my dear? I'm very well. How are you? It's lovely to be here. Yes, absolutely. So it's it's interesting because I always have to keep in mind when I talk to authors um, in other countries, especially in different hemispheres, um, we always have to coordinate the time, but not only that, just the seasons, because you may have kids in school, I may have kids out of school, vice versa. So it's always very interesting to coordinate. So thank you, because I know it took us a little bit to figure out when to talk. Oh, I know. And then the time zones often change. And between when you make a plan and someone goes into daylight saving, somebody comes out. <laughs> so it's, it's, good. it's lovely to be here. And it's already Friday. I'm already calling you from the future. Yay. So, well, you know, a good book <laughs> is good in any time zone in any hemisphere. So I think we're, we've are we got the goods on that for sure, right? So tell me, Absolutely. when you wrote, when you, when you started writing, when you sat down and wrote that first article and it got in the paper, what made you yeah. want to sit down and write that story? Um, I just have always written. So I've got um, notebooks upon notebooks from when I was a kid that I used to kind of run into my room and write a poem or run in and write a story when I came home from school. So I just think it's part of who I am. And I was also a voracious reader from a very young age. So I think storytelling and reading was just my jam really it was the thing that made me happy yeah. um and I just kind of kept with it I think that's probably I mean obviously there were huge gaps as there often are in life but I think sure. it was just you know other kids wanted to play sport or dance or whatever and I just liked writing stories 
Yeah, and and good stories are just always wonderful, um, and they're just they're oh, almost yeah. um, therapeutic. Yeah, I think so. And I think you know when you're a kid, don't have a lot of control over your life. You can't decide what to do or where you go. But once you climb into a book, you can go on an adventure, and um, it gives you that sort of escape um, and that opportunity to explore things that you can't explore otherwise. Really. Yeah. So tell me, what were your favorites? What were your go-tos as a kid? Um, so I read in kindergarten, I read every Beatrix Potter book. Um, <laughs> so they had the whole collection of of them and I read my way through them. Um, and I was a huge Little Women fan and I still, you know, that's still probably when asked what my favorite book ever was. That's probably it. Right. Um, there was a great series called What Katie Did. Um, it's an older yes. series of books, mind you. Of course, my childhood is quite a long time ago now. But um, And they were about a family in New York who were um, Jewish around sort of the turn of the century, or the you know, turn of the 20th century. Um, and that was really fascinating to me. You know, I was living in Sydney, Australia, and um, I had a very different background. So they were some of the ones that I read and reread. I read a lot of Enid Blyton. I loved the Naughtiest Girl in School books. Um, because she was naughty and also I went to a school that had a boarding school but that was for sort of the older kids and so it was quite mysterious what actually happened in that part of sure. the school so reading that book was like a little window into probably not, nothing like what was happening <laughs> in the building right. but in my imagination that's kind of what it was like I guess so that was some of my favorites oh wow and then of course as you got older the classics yes yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I read a lot of, um, I think I read a lot of books that weren't from Australia, mainly because it was interesting and different. Um, sure. And I really loved all the Astrid Lindgren books, you know, Piggy Longstocking. And um, and then as I got older, yes, I did. Actually, I read a lot of um, that probably I shouldn't have been reading. Um, <laughs> my parents were very not, not supervising my reading material and kind of didn't didn't feel that censorship of that was important. So I read a lot of, yeah. I learned a lot about the world from picking up books that I probably shouldn't have been reading. You don't, I mean, you don't know how many people I have interviewed that talk about finding their aunts, their moms, their grandmas, their, even their dads, secret stash of Harlequin books. Um, and, you know, that they would find them in a box under the bed or the back of a closet or and you know that was a whole other world to read about um, in those books. So yeah, oh, mix it up a little. Yeah. And I think also <laughs> back then, you know, like in the seventies and eighties, you know, I had a fairly I wouldn't say sheltered, but I came from a quite a, a, a very Catholic family, and so there was a lot of stuff people weren't talking about. Um, sure. So it was fascinating. You just you know, I remember being quite shocked when I. <laughs> um, <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, and that's hard because I know in the States, I, my husband and I have talked about this a lot, is there's just a lot of talk about it, like don't do it and, you know, wait for it, and nobody says what it is. Oh. So to read books about actually understanding what it is, is I think it's important yeah. because we all assume um, that people know the whole mechanics of everything and why things do what they do and how babies are made. And there's a lot of people who have no idea. Like, what? Oh, I you think, do what? I think, 
I mean, adults. Right, yeah, yeah. If you don't explain it, um, how will anybody know? And it's also that, um, yeah, it just, I just think there were so many things. Like I remember reading a book, I think it's called Lace, and I can't think of the author now. Um, But, you know, it was. Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah, Shirley Um, Shirley Conran. Shirley Conran was the the author of Lace, yes. Oh, there you go. So that was one of the ones I found, and I was like, there's no way. I mean, not even just the sex part, but all sorts of other things I learned from just reading that one book um, about yeah. the world. So, you know, I think that's the wonderful thing about books, that they open the world up to you. And also in a private way, like it's not like sitting in the living room watching it awkwardly with your mum or your grandma. Um, right. You can process information in your own way. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. It's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm reading. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm reading. <laughs> oh, good. Absolutely. Yay, she's reading. <laughs> I'm watching some awful TV show. You're right. I'm not. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, we had very limited television um, back then in Australia. We only had four TV channels. Um, yeah. So mm-hmm. we also didn't have a lot of, you know, the television wasn't always great. There wasn't always something on. Um, and you only ever had one TV in the house. So if your dad mm-hmm. wanted to watch sports, then that was you. You had to go find something else to do. That's right, yeah. Um, so did you have the same issue in the house about the knobs disappearing on the TV? Because we would have to have pliers. You know, if the knob disappeared, <laughs> you had to be able to turn the TV channel. Did you have that issue? Yes, I think so. And there was, <laughs> yes, and there was no remote, obviously. So um, it was all very... Um, when we did get a second television, I remember it was a really big deal. We were very yeah. excited. It was a tiny little, you know, you could barely see the screen. It actually, it's probably the size of a computer screen when I look back. Um, but televisions were big, so it felt tiny, but we didn't care. We were, our noses were pressed up against it to watch the Brady Bunch or whatever we were watching. Um, right. You know, and it was, yeah, it was great to have that option, not to be sort of watching what somebody else wanted to watch. You know, I think the first time I really became very aware of Australia, and this is completely cheesy and shows my age, um, was the Thornbirds. I knew you were going to because, say Thornbirds. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the first big deal. I mean, um, and of course, you know, plenty of other things since. But and then while my kids were small, the Wiggles. So thanks. Um, I know all the songs. Um, but yeah (laughs) well and then and then of course Crocodile Dundee came out in the 80s so that was a little bit later but um, I remember that and just and then reading the book and then talking about um, yeah and and of course it's just like any huge mass of land there's different different things going on in different places but yeah it's it was so fascinating and of course everyone's talking about going to Australia then and I'm sure that that was uh, I think Paul um, oh what was his name Hogan Hogan from Crocodile Dundee yeah. said okay. the um, the PR was so good for after like you know Thornbirds and and his movie and some others that they were actually saying don't do any more tourism ads because it's like we're done yeah. we have too many tourists and then they weren't leaving. <laughs> So he's like, so nobody come to Australia now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think um, 
the Stormbird was that first, also from a writing point of view, you know, Colleen McCulloch, who wrote that, um, was mm-hmm. an Australian author, and she got big, like everybody had read the Stormbird, like, you know, it was the book that year that everybody read. And then she got this big TV deal, and that was, mm-hmm. from all the way in Australia, a huge, huge um, deal. Um, but yeah. then, of course, there are very many aspects of that that are completely inauthentic and don't even look like Australia. Um, right. So then there was that whole idea that, you know, be careful what you wish for because if, once you solve that, you don't have any control over it and it doesn't look the way it looks in your imagination. Um, right. And so that was pretty um, pretty funny. But, um, you know, it, it's a, it launched a lot of careers and it did a lot of good things for Australia and she made a lot of money. So, you know... <laughs> Right. Well, and I think, too, like you're talking about the storytelling. I mean, it's it's that sweeping, you know, dynasty and these different eras of, of life. And, you know, now, of course, we just do them in all a bunch of different books if we're going to do these things uh, a lot of oh, times. Yeah. But then it was a big deal. It was like the book was massive. And, and then the TV oh, deal, yeah. and you had four nights, I think, like two, three hours a night yeah. watching this. And I was telling my daughters about it, my kids about it, and they were just like, really? And I'm thinking, well, but now you, we're kind of going back to that, aren't we? Because it's like that miniseries type feel, but it's on, say, Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and it's limited. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's, it's eight, not, eight, eight yeah. Instead of ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, what I was going to say is that that era, which is actually what I thought I was going to, in my mind, I've always said I wanted to write a sweeping saga across three generations. Because sure. that's the sort of book that we read back then, like Barbara Taylor Bradford, I read all of her books. Um, oh, right. And they were like that. You know, they started when the person was young and you went entire life with them um, and saw their disappointing children and their <laughs> broken marriages. And then they rose back to the top. And, um, you know, it, they were, that was what you read. And they were big, fat books that took, you know, a whole week to get through. And oh, they were sure. really satisfying. Um, but we don't write that way so much anymore. Right. Well, and it's broken up. So, I mean, you still have the sagas. Yeah. They're just kind of broken up and in and, and smaller chunks, I guess, um, yeah. how we More can like do it that way. Yeah. 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 So let's get, to your, let's get to your latest <laughs> because you have, what, four series, five? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's a couple of multi-author series as well, so that sort of, you know, adds to the number. Yeah, so yeah. this is my, my most recent series is just, at the moment, is a trilogy, um, and I just released the third book. So that's exciting. So tell me about and the I, Marlon Shore series, yeah. So I, it's a series about three brothers whose father dies, it's set um, in, on the coast in the Carolinas and their father dies and they're all estranged and he leaves them a marina. They have to stay for a year in order to fulfill the terms of the will and so each book is a different brother's story. And okay. um, I wrote it weirdly, well not, not weirdly, but um, we spend a lot of time, my husband's obsessed with fishing and we have a boat that we take out on Sydney Harbour and I spend a lot of time on boats and and a lot of time on the water and a lot of time when I'm like, I really want to be writing, but I'm on this boat, so I'm going to try and write on this boat. And so yeah. I thought, how can I combine those two things? And so I started to write this, or I decided to write a series um, with boats in it. 
Um, yeah. And um, that's sort of how this came about. And um, it was, I hadn't done, I've done long series, but I hadn't done anything that was just sort of free and finite. And I have other plans for the the world that I built, the town of Nylon Shores, but I just thought, let's just do something that's the three and then see how you go. You can add other um, books in later. Um, but because of, I was committed, I'm committed to a few multi-op series and things, I didn't want to leave people waiting another year for another book. I sure. wanted to have something that was sort of ended, if that makes sense, complete. Right. And then if more books come, they come. Yeah, so so you have so- and Yeah. So you have Saltwater Song is the first book, and then you have Saltwater Tears is yeah. the second, and the Saltwater and Wishes, Saltwater since that just came out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then you I'm have what's – right. So you have um, – that series is done, and then you've got some other stuff coming as well. Yeah, so my Applecraft series, which is probably my most popular series, um, I'm doing the ninth book of that, and it's coming out okay. in July. Um and it is um, throughout that series. There's a sort of a not so nice character. Um, it's Cheryl Romances, and she's kind of the nemesis, I guess, in a lot of the books. Okay. And she gets her come up and in this book. People have been asking me to write it for like 18 months. Um, but it's a Christmas book, but it's coming out for Christmas in July, which is quite a big thing in Australia, but I understand not so much in the rest of the world um, because we had World 2020. Um, and I just couldn't get it out in time for last Christmas. So I'm like, I don't want to wait a whole year, so I'll put it out in July. And um, so that's coming out next month. And that's kind of the end, I think, of that series, um, although I do have an idea for a spin-off, so that may happen next year. <laughs> so that's Any Way You Wish It, um, and that's from the Upper Crust yes. series, book nine, and that comes out July 13th. So. Yes. You've got all these different series, and you've got novellas that you do with multi-authors groups. So yeah. how do you keep, like, what is your method of keeping all of your universes separate and consistency? I mean, how do you story Bible all this? So I have, um, in terms of how I know what I'm doing, I'm the queen of the whiteboard. I've got two very large whiteboards in my office, <laughs> columns of what okay. I'm doing. Um, and sometimes I even do it. Um, and in terms of story bible, I have um, I am blessed with a pretty good memory. I have to say that's very helpful. And I also sure. have an editor who keeps really, really good um, sheets of the stuff. She has her own grids of all my characters and all of that stuff um, that she is very thorough with because sometimes I'm not as good at that as I should be. Um, but I so sometimes you know the real the name of the person that ran the whatever shop. Sometimes I'm going to get that wrong. Um, if it's been uh-huh. someone went into the shop, but she will, she knows. Um, but overall, um, with the Upper Crest series, I just feel like the characters are my friends. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Um, I don't really have to think too hard about them. If I'm going to sit down to write a scene and people from book three are in the book nine, it's okay because I just think about them and they're there, you know? Um, I find the multi-author series ones are much harder because, you know, you've got other people's input and other people's, oh, I've just written this thing into my book. You need to make sure you include it. Um, so that's right. a whole different level of crazy. Um, but for my own ones, I don't find it too difficult. Um, 
And, yeah, I just I, – I do use now a program called Plotter, and it helps you sort of keep track of all of your characters. Um, and it's really good, and it helps you. You can use it also to plot your book, but then you have, like, a story Bible or a character sheet off to the side that you can go back and cross-reference. And I have found that to be pretty helpful. Oh wow! And and that. what is the name of what is the name of that again? T L O T R R Plotter. Or it might be P L O T T R. I think it's P L O T T R. No E. So Plotter without okay. the E. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Plotter. All right. Yeah. And this is Okay. So you're finishing up. You finished up the Marlin Shores, and then you fin- and then you thinking this might be the end of the Upper Crest series coming out next month. Yeah. And then you've got. Yeah. I mean. Are you just – do you just have, art, like, your schedule filled in just constantly? I mean, how far are you booked out for projects so, to do? Interestingly, yes, traditionally. But 2021, I'm just trying to finish everything. So I feel like it would be really – I think I published my – I think I published my first book in 2012. So it's a long time, and I would like to – Finished this year with nothing kind of unfinished, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then a fresh slate for 2022. So um, I have one more book coming out, which I don't think has been announced, but we won't tell anyone, in the No Brides Club series, which is a multi-author series as well this year. And then after that, I don't really exactly know what I'm going to do, um, which is very unusual for me. This is since 2012, I've known exactly what I was going to be writing next. Um, but it sort of feels like the right thing for me to do for myself. And I also write under – I now have a new shared pen name that I'm writing some sports romances with another author. Um, okay. And so that's probably going to be my focus for the next part of 2021 um, as well. And then I'm just going to have a sit down and think about what would, make, what would be exciting for me to write next. Is probably what, what is my passion project to do next? Um, and that right. might be, you know, the spin-off from the um, Upper Crest series. It might be more Malachal's book. It might be something completely different. Um, but I think I need to get some of these things finished so then I have the brain space to really think about that. What is the most difficult thing in writing multi-author books? Like and and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, so it's like everybody says, okay, we're going to do a theme, like um, uh, we're going to have ten people that are friends from college, and they're all going to go on a like a weekend getaway or something, and everyone has a character, and so but we have to see what each story is, and it all has to work. How do you? Um, what is the hardest part about all that? Um, I think for me. Uh, so I've done three like that. So I did um, The Oceanic Dreams, which was all set on a cruise ship, um, and that's most right. unpublished now. They come out in 2019. Um, I've done the No Club series, which is a group of girls who all live in New York and say, I'm focusing on my career, not my love life, and then, you know, miraculously things don't go to plan. And um, I also have four books, three books, in the Cinnamon Bay romance that in okay. the town of Cinnamon Bay. Um, so I think the most challenging part is really just dealing with different people's personalities and styles of how they get things done. Um, not so much yes. the writing part, it's 
just um, if you write ahead, if you're really organized, um, and then somebody else is very last minute, then they want to change things and you're like, you can change it now. Um, and yeah. Um, yeah, so there's that. Some people are really, 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 really need to know every single detail of something, even if they're not going to include it in a book. And okay. other people are like, yeah, it'll be fine. Or the details there and they forget to read it. So I think it's, that is the challenge, and I think if anyone was is thinking of doing that sort of writing, you really need to be um, cautious about who you pick and choose to work with because um, that can make you a little bit crazy if you are well, yeah. And so for me, well, I'm not doing any more of this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I had stepped back from doing them for two reasons. One, because um, I felt like with everything else going on at the moment in the world and we're all juggling things in a very different way, um, that was a layer of stress I just didn't need in my life. Um, yeah. And the other reason is I'm not sure that my readers have enjoyed those books as much. I'm not sure that they've wanted to read books by other people. Some have, but like not all of them. And so I'm not sure that I'm actually giving my readers what they wanted anyway. So for more stress sure. and maybe less reward, that doesn't make sense. Well, and it's also a good way for authors to get um, other exposure with other groups. That you know, um, like if you yeah. if you like this author, you might like my books. And so it does have to be rather similar. It, it would be more difficult to have someone who's um, like a a super sweet writer with a super saucy writer. And, and, you know, that's sometimes it's hard for readers to know when they're reading an anthology. But um, it's also great because you get such a cross-section of, of stories and storytelling styles um, if yeah. you're trying to tr- start a new genre or read a new genre, and that's a big deal. Yeah, and I think um, it depends. Like some readers love it. So that's, I definitely have found new readers that way. But I, there, I know there are people who've said to me, I look like, I'm not really interested in reading this by the others. You know, and I'm right. sure those other authors have had the same experience. It's an amazing world that, that people are writing in and, you know, they're really fun and I read them. Um, so, you know, I read a lot, I've read a lot of the Smarty Pants romance books by Penny Reid that are all set in her universe. And um, so... It can be really fun. And look, for me, when I, I think I sort of, I had a year where I had been through, I was just feeling isolated. So when I was offered a few group projects, I was like, yeah, this is perfect. This will give me connection with people. Um, and it certainly did that. And I've met some amazing authors and I've had some really, you know, really fun times doing them. Um, but it's just harder. And I think um, now, having written 35 books, I kind of have a really good system that's easy for me to sit down and just write my books and immerse myself in them, and I think that's just a better way for me moving forward. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a whole different – It's yeah, you're right. It's a whole different vibe to it, – it's just like group projects versus you have to write this or do this project on your own, and it's all – yeah, it's, it's a very different vibe and um, – yeah, just um, it's it's it can be just a tremendous amount of work, and it can, but it can also be a great project, and it can also be a complete yeah. disaster. I mean, sometimes you just don't know. You don't know, and look. So the 
um, Oceanic Dream series, I that was just super easy for me. That I was I had said, look, I can't be the person who runs everything in this. Um, so I was pretty hands off on that one. Um, the No Bride Clubs through a publisher, so that's different again. Um, the Cinnamon Bay one was is very immersive, um, and it was a great experience. Um, and I've actually one of the authors from that group is the one I'm co-writing under a pen name. With so you know, there's always great things that can come out of these things, um, and you learn yeah. so much. I think that the other benefit of doing them is um, that shared knowledge. You know, you don't the the author world, especially if you're an indie author, you have to be very adaptive, and things change very quickly. So if you've got other people to help you negotiate that change, then that is a really, really positive thing. And I think that's important, like what you're saying, because it. Writing is not anything people go into and just know everything to do. Um, and not, that's not just the actual structure of how to write a story, but the, the business side of it and then how important it is for us to help each other with that um, because there's plenty of people out there waiting to take someone's money to say they're going to do something with their stories and they're not. Um, and you, yeah. But you have a site called Get Social Right Now, for for authors, um, and you cover yeah. a lot of stuff on there. Yeah, and the thing for me is, because I have been doing this for quite some time, um, I have a lot of people come to me, especially, you know, when they're starting out, and they're like, what should I do about this? What should I do about this? And it's a little bit about, uh, it, it kind of leads back to what we were saying, when we were saying, do this, don't do this, do it, don't do it, and you have to explain what it is. Um, and it's exactly yeah. the same for publishing. There's so many steps yeah. to follow um, and there's so much jargon and there are so many people who want to rip people off, which I just can't stand. <laughs> and so yeah. I obviously have, I'm always happy to talk to people and, and give them a hand, but if they're going to need um, more structure and ongoing help, then I, that's what Get Social Right Now is about, is helping people to get themselves launched and I'm also a big believer that you can pay somebody to do something but you really need to understand what you're asking them to do because otherwise right. you get ripped off. They might say it takes 10 hours and it really takes half an hour. How would you know? Um, and right. then once you understand the steps involved in something, you can make the decision that that's something you want to put your time and energy into. You're prepared to pay someone. Um, or you might go, it's not as hard as I thought. I'll do that part myself. Um, and there's just so many steps that, yeah, there's so many places people can get tripped up and, and stall. Like I know people who've written books and they're like, well, that's great. I'm going to self-publish. I'm going to be indie. And then they open the Amazon KDP platform, look around mm -hmm. and don't put their book up because it's too hard. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that can fix that. That's easy. But there's so, you know, that's the first hurdle really. Um, if you can't get past that because it overwhelms you, um, that's really unfortunate. And the other thing is a lot of people who write are not necessarily tech savvy. There's so much tech involved. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't tech savvy. I didn't know half, I mean, half the things that I probably needed to know and that I've learned along the way. So if you can cut that time out for other people, then that's kind of, I always think, a nice thing to be able to do. Well, and, and there's just all these little details that are hard and the, you know the big one is I there's a lot of people I've talked to over the years they're like oh 
I know what I'm doing. I'm a tech writer. I'm a, you know, I'm an English teacher. I'm a whatever. And then that's great, you know, but you really should not edit your own books. And whether you go through a publisher or you, you know, self-publish, the big thing I always tell everyone is make sure whatever you're putting out there is a really good, the best quality product you can. Because readers know what they want, and if you put something out there that's kind of crap, they're they're not gonna they're gonna tell their friends, and they're not you know you're not gonna sell that many books. Um, no. And I think that's something people are like oh self published well that's easier. It's like well, not so much. Not really. <laughs> yeah, so. And I, yeah. Not really. And I also think the um, the reality is now, and that self published books are indistinguishable from pub, books by pub, by traditional publishers in in many right. respects. Like the good ones can't tell the difference, um, and that's what you should be aiming for. And so, if you've yes. got a beautiful cover and it looks very schmick, and then people open it up and are disappointed. You know, you don't want to open the gift box and discover you've been given an old apple. Um, and it's exactly <laughs> the same. You know, if it's packaged to be professional, then it, you want that's what you want in the in the middle. And you just won't get people back. I mean, that's the, the issue that you want people to read your next book and your next book, and they will not do that if they're disappointed. And I think that's definitely something that's changed. Um, you know, back in the wild west days of early indie publishing, people could put up less things of less quality, and they did get read because there wasn't as many choices. And but that's definitely not the reality today. Right? Yeah. And and yeah, it's interesting because um, it, we've all done it. We've all heard this. All every writer out there, it's like someone says, "Oh, well, I've always wanted to write a book." You know, how hard can it be, right? Um, but you know those are the people that haven't done it. So <laughs> the ones that finally do sit down, they're like, oh, my God, this is impossible. <laughs> You're like, yes. yes, it is. When I started it writing is. seriously, I did a course which was called um, First Page to First Draft. So it was a year-long course, and we went every Wednesday to the Writers' Centre here in my state, and we had a tutor, and we were all supposed to have the first draft of our book finished, you know, in the December. And I was the only person in the class who had their whole first draft finished. Um, and that was with all that help and, you know, teamwork, and lots of people were close, but it's just not that easy. And um, especially your first book, I think, um, it's always a project of the heart. You're always really... You know, the characters are real to you. You don't want to do them a disservice. Um, you have it pictured in your mind and that's not coming on the page. Like, there's just so many aspects that can hold you up. It's not easy to write. It's just not. And um, it's not even easy to write, you know, like, let alone read, write it, yeah. redraft it, and edit anything. Even that first messy draft is really hard to get down on the page. Yeah. Just keep pushing through because it is hard because you're like, oh, this is crap. It's like, yes, it's crap. But get the story out, whether you write it or, you know, whatever. Put it on the computer. Yeah, dictate it, whatever. Um, It makes a huge difference just to, like, it's almost like, um, you know, I'm going to make something and it stays theoretical the whole time. And then you finally sit down to do it. It's an absolute mess because you've not actually – 
put any, you know, you've not made notes or outlines or really know where anything's going. Um, so, yeah, it is a process. So to, for you to, to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write this, and you've got 35 books in the past, what, 12 years, 13 yeah. years? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a strong, steady pace. A lot of people uh, wouldn't even consider that. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's fabulous because, I mean, it's obvious you've got a good groove going. So, and that, that means, yeah. I'm sure you're just like, life. yeah. Yeah, so one of the things I'm always fascinated with with writing is people who say, oh, I haven't got an idea. And I'm like, oh, that's not my problem. Um, <laughs> I, you know, too many ideas, which thing do you write next is the problem, not, oh, I can't think of anything to write. But I think that gets easier with time. And I think also um, when you are writing in your own series, um, I always have characters in a book that I know are going to be in the next book. Um, and... I'm already thinking about them and telling myself to stop thinking about them <laughs> um, before I get to this. So I think that, for me, that's been, you know, that's just how my brain works. But also I have gone from being a panther, someone who doesn't spot, to being someone who does spot. And that has definitely made me a faster writer. I don't know if I'm a, mm-hmm. And I don't do it every book. Some books I don't. I just sit down and write. But... Um, if I've got a tight deadline or I've committed to something, you know, and I want to make sure I get there, then if I pre-plot it, it's definitely quicker writing for me. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, I think it's once you get your groove going. But then when you start a new, when you start a new series, it's, I would guess that, well, I guess it depends on the project because some projects just really just pour their guts out and then other projects, they yeah. just, just like, come on, you know, give me something here. Yeah, and I actually like starting new things. Um, I always think of my characters as like being friends and I only write characters. So I used to write, you know, before I was published, I tried writing literary fiction and I always got depressed halfway through the book and I thought, I don't want to hang out with these people, they're miserable. Um, So when I started to write, you know, chiclet and romance, I aimed to write characters that I would want to be friends with or actually spend time with if they were real people and they are kind of real people mm-hmm. to me. So when I start a new series, I feel like I'm making new friends. Fun. I'm like, oh, I get to learn all these things without them. So um, I enjoy that part. But I know for a lot of people that that is challenging. And also a lot of readers don't really want you to start a new series. They want you to stay with the characters that they already know and love. So that is a bit of a challenge um, for writers, I think, now. Um, with so much emphasis on writing series, you know, to be to keep your creativity going, you have to do new things. You can't always just keep, you know, in the same space. Um, yeah, so that's kind of an interesting conundrum. What What does the reader want, and what do you what What can you write and deliver that will be satisfying? What character have you not written about that your readers have asked you to write about? Um. So I hadn't written about this. I'm in, I, I hadn't written about this character um, from the Upcraft series because um, I don't find it's, it's funny. I don't really like the idea of giving someone their comeuppance. It's just not kind of my personality. Um, I'm just yeah. like let that be over there, do their thing. Um, so I have resisted writing that story, um, but I am now doing it. Um, that's probably the main one. Um, mm-hmm. 
that's probably the main one. So I'm now doing it. Um, but and it does make sense. But I my readers genuinely the ones that have reached out to me just have asked for more Marlon Shaw's books and have said, please keep writing the Upper Class series. That's what they want me to write. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, making that character that you weren't so sure deserved their story, make sure that they deserve their story in the right way. And that's, again, that yeah. pulling that thread to, um, yeah. to make it all fit. Yeah. The, yeah, the characters, anyway, the guy in the, the male character, you know, left his girlfriend for another woman in, like, book two of the series. Um, and mm-hmm. so I have to write his character. So I have to make him redeemable. And that's fine. You know, he was young and they weren't married and he was stupid. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we've sort of, it's hard if you've made someone, not the bad guy, I wouldn't say, but, you know, he's made some choices that were not smart in several books. So now to make mm-hmm. him likable and to give him a a redemption story and then gives the female that he did choose, you know, her come up and it's probably not what I normally write. So it's a little bit challenging for me. It's a little bit fun as well. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting twist on what I normally do. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So we're about out of time, but I wanted to um, (laughs) tell everybody they can find you on your website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Your next book comes out next month on the 13th from the Upper Crest series. And then you've got a couple of other projects coming. Um, and then, you know, 2022 is, is full of possibilities, right? The clean slate. <laughs> so new beginnings and, and uh, all sorts of new possibilities, yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And please come back in the future and talk to us some more. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. I talk so much. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, I love it. It's pleasure. You know, it's, I've had friends on, and, I've, and, you know, a couple of friends of mine are just really great when we're sitting there talking. And one of them came on the show, and I was like, oh, no, it'll be great. She's just going to talk, and it's going to be wonderful. And I would ask her a question, and she, it was less like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, what is she doing? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> now you're not going to say anything? So yes, no, I love it. I, and, and I love that when readers, I mean, writers are excited about what they do because it can be very solitary. So some people, you know, they write because they want to tell the story, but it's not necessarily their passion per se. So yeah, no, I totally love it when writers love what they're doing. I can't imagine doing it if you didn't love it. There are so many easier pathways, easier ways to make money, like a million yeah. other things you could do if you didn't love it. I, I can't imagine. Yeah, storytelling is just one of those wonderful things that we get to do, and, and uh, I wouldn't take it, take it over anything else. No, me either. So for everybody who loves good stories, check out Monique McDonald. She has got plenty for you to read. Um, You can find her again, like I said. All the links are in the write-up of the show of all her social media. And get on her newsletter because it's super cute. Um, And she's got tons of information on there. Plus, she's got really good information for anybody who's thinking about wanting to write. Um, And um, a lot of solid places that you can check out. That's all under the About section on her website. So thank you again, Monique, for being with us. 
Paul, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And this has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. And just a heads up, everyone, please, if you haven't and you can, please go get your COVID vaccine. Let's get this uh, taken care of so we can all um, just relax a little bit. So um, take care, everyone, and keep on reading. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. 